Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1. And it cometh to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth of the month, I am sitting in my house, and elders of Judah are sitting before me, and fall on me, there doth the hand of the Lord Jehovah. Ezekiel was a trusted man of the Lord. The elders were hanging out with him. He was somebody people looked to for answers because he was walking in holiness and repentance and obeying the commandments of the Lord. This would be during the sixth year of their captivity in the land of the Chaldeans. He had a house there, which shows that the Chaldeans were allowing them to somehow support themselves. A vision comes on him when he's in his home, surrounded by other people. 2. And I look, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins and downward, fire, and from his loins and upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of copper. From the Lord's waist down, he looked like fire, and from his waist up, he looked like super bright, pure copper, similar to the sun. It was a yellowish brightness. There are many places in the Bible where it says that the Lord looks like the sun. 3. And he putteth forth a form of a hand, and taketh me by a lock of my head, and lifteth me up, doth a spirit between the earth and the heavens, and it bringeth me into Jerusalem in visions of God, unto the opening of the inner gate that is facing the north, where is the seat of the figure of jealousy that is making jealous. In this chapter, we're going to see how wicked the priests and the religious leaders were in Jerusalem during this time. They were so wicked that they were openly worshipping false idols right in the sanctuary of God's temple. The Lord has taken Ezekiel in a vision to Jerusalem, a very far distance. The Lord lifted Ezekiel up by the Lord's own spirit. And it says that he was grabbed by a lock of hair, which is interesting. It shows you that we must not weigh very much in the spirit. Ezekiel is able to clearly see what's going on in the present tense in the temple, many, many miles away from where he is. The Lord takes Ezekiel to the north side of the temple. So if you're looking at the temple straight on, this would be a gate on the right side of the temple because the temple faces east. And when you're looking at the temple, you would be facing west. And where Ezekiel was taken would be on the north side or the side to your right. The figure that is making jealous means it's an idol that makes the Lord jealous because the people are worshipping the idol instead of the Lord. 4. And lo, there the honor of the God of Israel as the appearance that I saw in the valley. When God took Ezekiel to this location, Ezekiel could see the Lord appearing the same way that he appeared to Ezekiel on the river Chabar. The Lord would have been on this portable throne with the four cherubim angels. 5. And he saith unto me, Son of man, lift up, I pray thee, thine eyes the way of the north. And I lift up mine eyes the way of the north. And lo, on the north of the gate of the altar this figure of jealousy, 
at the entrance. The Lord tells Ezekiel to look at this idol that the Israelites have made and that the temple leaders have put in the temple. 6. And he saith unto me, Son of man, art thou seen what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are doing here to keep far off from my sanctuary. And again thou dost turn, thou dost see great abominations. The Lord says to Ezekiel, Look at this hideous abomination that you see here in the temple, and I'm going to show you more abominations in the temple. This isn't the only one. 7. And he bringeth me in unto an opening of the court, and I look, and lo, a hole in the wall. When Solomon built the temple, it was inlaid in pure gold, and it had carvings of cherubim and other representations of the Lord, like the pomegranate and the palm trees. Here Ezekiel sees a hole in the wall. This hole could be a small window that leads into one of the priest's chambers. 8. And he saith unto me, Son of man, dig, I pray thee, through the wall. And I dig through the wall, and lo, an opening. 9. And he saith to me, Go in, and see the evil abominations that they are doing here. The Lord tells Ezekiel to look really hard at what's going on in his temple. 10. And I go in, and look, and lo, every form of creeping thing, and detestable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel, graved on the wall all round about. Originally, this wall had the gravings that King Solomon put in it, which all represented different aspects of the Lord. And the gravings were angels, palm trees, and pomegranates. The angels are servants of the Lord. They were the cherubim attending his mercy seat. The pomegranates represent righteousness and the commandments of the Lord. Traditionally, it's believed that all of the seeds in the pomegranate represent all of the commandments of the Lord. There are ten major commandments, but there are a lot of other commandments in the book of Leviticus that fall within the ten commandments. The pomegranates were also placed on the hemline of the priest's garment because they represent Jesus Christ, because Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it and Jesus obeyed every single commandment of God. His righteousness inside of us gives us the grace to obey all of the commandments of the Lord. Solomon also carved palm trees onto the walls because they represented the children of Israel. When Moses brought the people out of Egypt, their first campsite had 70 palm trees each palm tree represented one of the original 70 Israelites that first came to Egypt when Joseph was alive. But when they came out, they came out as millions. But now the Israelite leaders had carved images of false deities, and the deities are in the shape of unclean animals like snakes, lizards, owls, probably some insects things that witches and warlocks worship today. They love to worship what God has created rather than worshiping God. 11. 
and seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel, and Jazaniah, son of Shaphan, standing in their midst, are standing before them, and each his censer in his hand, and the abundance of the cloud of perfume is going up. Seventy Israelite priests were offering incense to all of these multiple deities right in the temple, and they were worshiping demons with the incense censers that were created only to worship the Lord. 12. And he saith unto me, Hast thou seen, son of man, that which the elders of the house of Israel are doing in darkness, each in the inner chambers of his imagery? For they are saying, Jehovah is not seeing us, Jehovah hath forsaken the land. The Lord said that these evil leaders were doing this at night time so that the people in general wouldn't know what they were doing. They were accepting the sacrifices from the people on behalf of God during the daytime, but at night they themselves were worshiping demon idols right in the temple for the purpose of prosperity, and they didn't believe that God could see them. In their own hearts, they had reduced God down to being just another idol. 13. And he saith unto me, Again, thou dost turn, thou dost see great abominations that they are doing. The Lord says, Now I'm going to show you even more abominations. This isn't all of it. 14. And he bringeth me in unto the opening of the gate of the house of Jehovah, that is at the north. And lo, there the women are sitting, weeping for Tammuz. The women were practicing paganism because they were engaged in a ritual where they weeped for the husband of Ishtar, a pagan goddess. It involves sexual perversion and fertility. So this is part of a sex ritual that the women were practicing on the north side of the temple. They were probably doing it because they wanted to have more children. 15. And he saith unto me, Hast thou seen, son of man? Again thou dost turn, and thou dost see greater abominations than these. God says, I've shown you three incredible abominations, now I'm going to show you a greater one. 16. And he bringeth me in unto the inner court of the house of Jehovah, and lo, at the opening of the temple of Jehovah, between the porch and the altar, about twenty-five men, their backs toward the temple of Jehovah, and their faces eastward, and they are bowing themselves eastward to the sun. In the previous verses, it had said that seventy men were inside the temple offering incense to hideous animal-shaped demons. And again, that's a huge insult to the Lord because the number 70 is a holy number. That's how many people came to Egypt from Joseph's family originally in order to avoid the famine. It's also how many weeks the ministry of Jesus Christ was as told to us in the book of Daniel and in the four Gospels. We'll cover that later when we get to the book of Daniel. They were using a holy number to worship evil pagan gods. Now they have 25 men out in the men's court, which is the upper court, which is a holy place where only clean people can go. And they are literally turning 
their bottom to the Lord. They're not naked, but it's still just as bad as if they were naked. They're bowing down with their back end toward the mercy seat of God that is in the inner sanctuary, and their faces are bowing down to the east, and they are literally worshiping the sun. Anytime somebody worships the sun, it is the pinnacle of witchcraft. Satan calls himself the sun, but the Bible calls Jesus the morning star, which is a metaphor saying he is actually brighter than the sun. But the sun is the brightest thing that we know of, so Jesus is often compared to the brightness of the sun. They had their back end to Jesus with their bottoms up in the air toward Jesus, and their faces were bowing down to the sun. Now you know why the temple faces east. It's because when you look toward the sanctuary, you have your back to the sun, which is what Satan wants you to worship, and you are facing west when you worship God. Also in the Bible, the new Jerusalem and heaven itself face east, which means when you're facing the throne of God, you are facing west, and your back is to the area where the sun used to come from. The Bible also says that Jesus will come when he returns from the eastern sky, and yes, his back will be to the sun, and he will eclipse the sun with his own light. When Jesus appears in the second coming, we won't be able to see the sun. All we'll see is Jesus, but it'll be a different kind of eclipse because he will be brighter than the sun that is behind him, unlike all the eclipses that we have seen so far, where the brightness of the sun is brighter than what is in front of it. But when Jesus comes, you won't be able to see the sun at all. Isn't it interesting that the pagan Roman Catholic Church inaugurated Sunday as a day of worship? It's named after the sun god. It isn't evil to go to church on Sunday, but just know that it's not a commandment either. And the reason church takes place in the morning is because that's when the sun comes up. It all has to do with ancient sun god worship. Now you can go to church anytime you want to, including Sunday morning when the sun comes up. That in itself isn't evil. But that the time that you go to church has nothing to do with your faith, and it has nothing to do with belonging to the bride of Christ. 17. And he saith unto me, Hast thou seen, son of man, hath it been a light thing to the house of Jehovah to do the abomination that they have done here, that they have filled the land with violence and turned back to provoke me to anger? And lo, they are putting forth the branch unto their nose. By saying that they're putting a branch up the nose, it could mean that this is part of one of their pagan rituals because pagans do worship trees. So maybe they had some ritual that included a tree branch. It could also be a play on words of a pagan ritual saying that from the Lord's perspective, they're trying to shove a branch up his nose because to get a branch up your nose would cause a serious nosebleed and it would be very uncomfortable. And he says that instead of them offering perfume for me to smell, which I commanded them to do, they're offering it to the pagan idols and they're doing all these other hideous things. So it's as if they're shoving a branch up my nose.
However you interpret it, it's definitely a negative statement. And the violence that the Lord talks about is for two reasons. Number one, part of their pagan rites includes human sacrifice. They killed their own children and other people for the gods. The other violence comes from not taking care of the weak and the poor, because in paganism, you drop kick the poor. You don't help them. But if they had been following God's law, they would have been taking care of the poor. That is the other form of violence that they were committing. They were taking financial advantage of poor people instead of helping them out. 18. And I also deal in fury. Mine eye doth not pity, nor do I spare. And they have cried in mine ears a loud voice, and I do not hear them. The Lord is explaining to Ezekiel why he is not going to help the people of Jerusalem when they cry out to him during the siege from Babylon. This is exactly why he's not going to listen to them, because to the very last day, they did everything they could to spit in God's face after all that he had done for them for centuries. Anybody who says that God should have helped them is insane after what they did to insult him for decades and how they sinned against him for centuries in spite of everything that he had done. It would have been pure insanity for the Lord to let them get away with it. And on Judgment Day, he isn't going to let us get away with anything either. If we haven't repented of our evil, foul, heinous ways, we will receive everlasting condemnation today is the day to repent. Unfortunately, in Ezekiel's time, the people in Jerusalem never repented, and that was why they were destroyed. And that concludes Ezekiel chapter 8.